ladies and gentlemen, it's the Christmas season. And you know what that means. It's time to find out which Christmas songs are copyrighted and which ones aren't. And Deck the Halls apparently isn't, as long as it doesn't have lyrics. So, Merry Christmas season, everybody. Happy hey, Hanukkah. Happy Holidays. Yeah, hooray for public domain. Welcome back to Off the Bench. I'm Brandon Carney, alongside Pat Gustafson. And, folks, we've got a lot to talk about today. But first and foremost, uh, I wish I had some kind of funeral march tone going on here. We talked last week about how... Things were not looking great for me in the fantasy realm. Uh, we have a two-week playoff matchup, and I was down by a whopping 36 points, and I ended up losing by, I believe, 38 points or something around that. Um, it was it was a tough go. I mean, this week we played it a little bit closer, but my season has come to an end, so I'm joining Pat here in the in the official fantasy football offseason. I um. You know, I thought you had a shot there at the beginning when you, you like Laporta and I forget you had like yeah. three guys gone and they all just popped I, all off. So L- like, Laporta and Ty Chandler went for twenty yeah. plus like, in non PPR. Yeah, I'm like if the, I'm like if his asswipe pulls this <laughs> off, I'm gonna be furious. But um, then reality set in and uh, but you know, yeah. a, a valiant effort on your part. Um, sad to say, you know, I was just we were just talking before how like had I made the playoffs, I would have been without Isaiah Pacheco, Jonathan Taylor, Mark Andrews, and Tyree Kill. And I still would have beat Brand's broke ass. I still would have beat him. So uh, now I'm Listen. upset that I didn't make the playoffs. And now I probably would have had Pacheco and JT and Tyreek back for the championship as well. Yeah. So. Listen, it's not hard to beat a guy that the first week of the fantasy playoffs goes for his season low in points by a mile and loses Nico Collins in the first quarter. CJ Stroud goes for three. I I could not I've never had a fantasy situation quite like this. Like I've I can recall, you know, Pat, this may be like ten years ago, but I had a team that started out seven and zero, much like this one did, and it was very good on the backs of, I want to say, I know Julius Thomas was one of my players, the tight end, the year that he popped off. I think I had like Matthew Stafford. Team was really, really good, but as the playoffs approached, I could tell things were slowing down. We were getting down to a crawl, and I just didn't have much optimism. I had reasonable levels of optimism this year. I was like, you know, my team's still good, even after losing Tank Dell, which hurt a lot, but I guess that was the first sign of things to come. But I still felt like the lineup I was fielding was solid. You know, I threw Jarek McKinnon in the flex. He scored a touchdown. Cool. Made good decisions there. And uh, yeah, you just, you know, you can, I don't like, I don't use injuries as, as an excuse throughout the season because you, you got to adapt. You got to pick the right guys up and make, make the right moves, adjust. But there's just not a lot you can do about an injury that happens after after kickoff. Like I, I, I was forced to take a one from Nico Collins and then Nico going out rendered Stroud useless. And then, you know, I'm just trying to pick up the pieces oh, yeah, from there. I, 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 I did what I could. I'm still very proud of my efforts and what I've scraped together, especially after completely losing my first round pick, Nick Chubb, in week two. So look, this was a bounce back year. This was a legacy year for me because after last season, I was like, oh, what the fuck is going on? Go, you know, have it. I think my worst season in fantasy history going five and eight on the backs of Kyle Pitts, Juju Smith-Schuster and doo-doo shit poopster and all that bullshit that was going on. So it was just a bad scene. We've definitely bounced back. But Pat, look, when in, in a couple weeks here, when the fantasy football season has come to an end for everyone, we'll go over, you know, every everything from a, a season recap perspective. But a lot of people are still playing fantasy football right now. So we, we need to treat this pod as such. With that said, I do want to go over just a couple things now that you and I are both eliminated. Are Lessons you that we've... in any other leagues, though? Mm, one that doesn't really matter. So I, I had the uh, the Scott Fishbowl League. I got bounced yeah. from that. 
uh, because of the Jefferson in- this was last week the Jefferson injury and just underperformance from like Amon Ross St. Brown Sam Laporta if only I could have survived another week those guys did great uh, but no not live in that like I'm alive in a in like a follower league a longtime follower league that uh, I put together I'm actually the one seed there so we'll see if I can pull that one off but no not going to be the champion in any of the any league of significance really this I've, year I've got two and actually one of them is more lucrative than our league it is uh uh-huh, Mr. High Roller and especially since I lost the league last year, hence my beautiful I Suck at Fantasy Football shirt um, mm. after uh, after being the big loser. So, you know, the team's solid. Like, every, the lowest score on my entire team was Brandon Ayuk, who had, like, 6.97 points. Like, even my bench, I had, like, CEH, McKinnon, Keaton Mitchell. Like, oh, rest in peace. Oh, um, yeah. Zamir White. Like, everybody on my team just fucking uncorked themselves. So, let's <laughs> hope we can uh, keep that momentum riding and I can uh, get, get a little bit of dough there. Yeah, I, I've got one more league that I'll be, you know, setting a lineup for old time's sake. But I, I will say, though, there's another league that I missed the playoffs in this year, but I do love how they do the consolation bracket. Um, the consolation bracket, whoever wins it gets the first pick the following year. Yes, so it's I not, it's, it's like not like, well. yeah, it's not just, you know, worst team gets first pick like some leagues will do. It gives the people in the consolation something to play for. So I will try to win in that league and get, you know, a, a high pick next year rather than uh uh, a, a mid pick because that league is also super weird because it's not a snake draft. It's you get the first pick in every round if you have the first pick. So it's an okay. incredible, it's an incredible advantage if you can get it. I've been screwed by it a couple of times because I get like pick 10 and I pick 10 in every round, whatever. That's besides the point. But Pat, more importantly, both of us are out of the league that even if it's not the most lucrative is the most prideful oh, one the, that we're in. One that it's it's the one that matters. It's the one that we, we come home to at the end of the day. So I wanted to go through just some lessons that we learned that looking back, you know, we can apply for next season because I really do think a lot of fantasy football and succeeding in it year to year is an effort of remembering the previous season because look, so much gets lost throughout the course of the offseason, so much perspective, so much context, honestly, like people will point to what a player did the previous season and you'll forget that, oh, there was an injury in the time that they're talking about, or there was a coordinator change. Just It's information overload and it's hard to remember everything. So I try to keep things fresh and I kind of try to keep the most important lessons, at least at the top of my mind right now, and then I can carry them over into next season. The number one rule that I want to remember for next season and the number one lesson I've learned is, this is one I've kind of always gone by, but in the early rounds, play it as safe as possible. Play it excessively safe. Like, be fucking paranoid. Like, looking back... You know, we, you and I talked up players such as, as Tony Pollard and, you know, Saquon Travis Barkley. Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, Saquon Barkley, like these guys in the first round and second round who, you know, are good players. And there's certainly narratives that could be built around them being valuable fantasy picks at the spot they were drafted. But at the end of the day, they all had red flags that like everyone you could pick up maybe some level of red flag, right? Some concern, but some are going to have more than others. And at the end of the day, those are guys that I want to stay away from. I want to find the, literally the safest, absolute safest possible players. And so the, the lessons to come along with that are number one, I'm done picking players that are coming back from injuries or suspensions, just completely done with it. Now, I don't think there's going to be any signet. Well, I say that, but yeah, yeah, I guess there won't be any players coming back from suspensions, like a year long one, such as a Deshaun Watson or a a Calvin Ridley. Um, 
But this is in reference to Calvin Ridley and, you know, a guy like Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard obviously had a surgery that, honestly, not a lot of people talked about in terms of it affecting his effectiveness throughout the season. They were just like, okay, this is a procedure. He's going to be ready for the start of the season. It's, you know, relatively clean comeback. But it zapped his explosiveness, and we've seen that. Calvin Ridley's a guy, as good as he looked in the preseason, as enamored as we got with that route running clip and how he, you know, a couple of nice catches in preseason games – I just have no desire anymore after seeing him and Deshaun to pick any player that has taken a long time off from playing football. I I just, it feels like it's too hard to come back from. Um, and I just, I don't want to, I don't want to dive into that anymore if it comes up with another player. Luckily, like I said, it doesn't seem like we're going to have anybody like that going into next year, at least not one that's going to be a high draft pick, but it just seems like adjusting to NFL speed is a lot tougher than we maybe gave it credit for, even if a guy like Calvin, you know, looked good in the preseason. He is, he's, he's my biggest regret, I think, this year. It's like, I, yeah. I mean, look, every player basically that had an ADP in the third round kind of sucked to an extent, other than like Mark Andrews before he got hurt. But uh, it was, it was a tough one with Calvin Ridley for sure. But yeah, I'm done with players coming back from suspensions, done with players coming back from injuries in the early rounds, at least. So that, as much as I hate to say it, like I'm off Nick Chubb for next year. I I just, I don't want to spend an early pick because I'm sure that as long as he's back ready to go, he'll be at worst a a late second round pick coming off that injury. And I just don't think that's even a possibility. Like I, I, I think so. I mean, look, the player that Nick Chubb is, it'll obviously depend on, if he's still a Brown and what the Browns backfield looks like, but if like it's still if he, just Jerome Ford, you got to think it, it, it would be yeah. at the very least like late first round. I'd think. Oh, you're he's saying still, earlier. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. I think he might really go earlier. He's still Nick Chubb and people are going to say yeah. Nick Chubb. I agree with you that I probably wouldn't take him there, but I, I think that's going to be a, a serious uh, dilemma. People are going to have to face whether or not that they want someone like that. And God forbid no one else gets hurt here. Yeah. Um, before, because that would you know before the end of the season, because that would throw a wrench into things as well. But I mean, the injuries are absolutely piling up. So fingers crossed that we don't get anything you know too significant that lingers into next season. So look again, the overarching lesson here is play it safe. The sub lesson: not picking players coming off injury, not picking players coming off suspension. Second sub lesson: target youth. There were guys that had age concerns this year, and pretty much all of them transpired into being something negative for their production. You had. Uh, Travis Kelsey, I I mentioned before the year started that I wasn't really in on him as a first round pick because I would rather be a year too, year too late, year too early, year too early getting off the Travis Kelsey boat than a year too late because I don't want to succumb to a guy, you know, being bad because of injury. And there are obviously other factors at play with Travis Kelsey as well. The Chiefs not having any other receivers worth a damn except Rasheed Rice, who's coming on here in the last couple weeks. Um, and just the Chiefs offense as a whole being slower. But look, Kelsey's age does seem to be a factor as well from not being able to recover from these lingering injuries and just being, it seems, a step behind what he used to be. He dropped a ball this past week that should have been a touchdown. Like Kyle Duggar was coming at him, you know, ready to hit him. But still, it's a ball that Travis Kelsey last year catches. And I I just find it hard to believe that another year of age under his belt isn't part of uh, what's affecting him. So you've got Travis Kelsey, who age is affecting him. Derrick Henry is one we talked about. Age is absolutely affecting him. I mean, he just had arguably a career worst day against the Texans. Pat, people before the season were looking at Derrick Henry's fantasy playoff schedule as reasoning to draft him. Like that was a large reason for people picking this guy in fantasy. And then we get to this point, and he is just, he looks like dust, and it's not good. He himself it, has even questioned his own future in Tennessee. Yeah, he he looked horrible. Like, 
you know, obviously Tajay Spears didn't do a whole lot with his touches either, but what was his final stat line? Wasn't it like 16 oh for 9 or something like that? Uh, it must have been. I mean, I know it was like, I think he had three fantasy points, I want to say. Um, if even that, let me see here. Player stats, Titans, Derrick Henry. Oh my God, it was 16 carries for nine yards and four for catches nine. for one yard. Oh my God. I didn't know it was that bad. That's miserable, dude. That's that's horrible. Against the Texans. Against the Texans. And again, the Texans are a better team this year than they have been in the past. But, like, it's a team he normally runs over. Well, the thing, too, it was a Case Keenum-led Titans. The Titans, excuse me. Um, You know, the game script was more in his favor than you thought. You know, had it been with the the Texans at full strength, you'd be like, oh, shit, you know, this is going to be, you know, they're going to script him out. But this game was close. Like, this should have been a game where he could have put up a bigger day. But... Uh, a- absolutely brutal here. Uh, our boy Gandhi in the chat says he might start Trey McBride over him. I think you absolutely should. Honestly, I, I don't <laughs> oh even know if that's like, like I'm not even thinking too much about that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it seems like, you know, Henry's kind of chalking up the season, potentially chalking up his career as a Titan and moving on. He he kind of acknowledged after the game that, you know, it looks like it's going to be Ty J Spears' season next season um, with a kind of a new look, rebuilt Titans team, which it absolutely needs to be. They need to lean into their youth next year. I don't know why they didn't do it a little more this year, um, but that's just kind of where they're at. And then Austin Eckler, friend of the show, as we know, noted, esteemed off-the-bench guest Austin Eckler. Uh, look, I hope he has a bounce back season next year. Obviously, genuinely good dude. Could not thank him enough for what he's done for this show and for our viewership. But this has been a absolute disaster throwaway year for Eckler. And I think part of that, again, is probably age contributing to his inability to recover from injuries. He's got a career worst yards per carry. He already wasn't a super effective, like on the ground runner to begin with, but that part of his game has been just doused. And now he finds himself in a committee backfield on a Chargers team that is in complete shambles all around, which we'll talk about in a second. Their coaching. That's the thing too, is that that offense has been so underwhelming, even with just even at full strength, that offense has not been nearly as good as we all made it out to be. But Mm -hmm. a friend, texted me on thursday night and said like oh pat called austin eckler touchdown dependent and he took that personal and then became exclusively touchdown dependent yeah (laughs) literally he needs a touchdown to be anything relevant in your lineup is he bust of the year like you may maybe maybe (laughs) it's arguable i you know bust of the year i am more inclined to give it to somebody who wasn't exclusively fighting through injuries like like, yes, obviously true, that's true. That's like, if you play a lot of games and you're banged up, yes, that is worse than just missing the season due to injury. I'm more inclined to give bust of the year to somebody like, I don't know, maybe like a, a, a Miles Sanders or who has just completely true. disintegrated. Like yeah, obviously that, a, that much, man is not a much later ADP by a couple rounds, all, but yeah. like he's disappeared. Najee Harris has been a non-factor. Most we'll, we'll get to that. That'll be a, that'll be a season wrap up thing where we can give our, each of our, you know, bust of the year and breakout of the year and all that. That'll be a fun show. Um, but we are still in the season for now. And for the folks of you folks out there with Austin Eckler, if you are somehow still alive in your playoffs, um, you're in a tough spot with Mr. Eckler due to age. And again, that, like I I made a, a cameo for somebody earlier today who he sent me or like his parents sent me what his lineup was this year in fantasy. He was like, oh, yeah, my son drafted these players and, you know, you can roast him for it or whatever. And it was like a bunch of old guys. So I said to him, I was like, let's inject some youth into there next year. And that's my lesson here is like there's so many young players who are either in their prime or just entering their prime. As far as early round picks are concerned, 
if you're over 27, like I'm probably out, to be honest with you. Like, oh, I, I, as, like first, first round, definitely for the first round, if you're over 27, I'm all set. Second round, we can start to talk because then you, we're getting into like the, the Stefan Diggs of the world who still have plenty left in the tank. Um, but in general, like I'm leaning youth. There's too much youth to risk falling into the season that a guy falls off due to age. There's no reason to risk it. Yeah, I mean, it, it is true that some of the veterans are safer. Like for, you know, like you said, Stefan Diggs, who turned out to not be all that safe. But like like Mark Andrews, a Tyreek Hill, for God's sake. Like, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes the veterans are a little safer. But yeah, I mean, there was a lot of talk specifically about Henry, um, about uh, age and this being, you know, kind of his fall off season. And um, like you mentioned, teams that have Austin Eckler, and I think the same is true for Derrick Henry at this point. We talked about last week, like, if you have Saquon Barkley, like, you kind of got to start him. I don't think Henry and Eckler are in that anymore. No, like, not if with you, the state if of their you teams. you have a better option, then you, I think it's more than justifiable to keep those two on the bench. You're playing for a fantasy championship, and it's not just like, oh, a couple of bad games, they'll bounce back. There's no indication of that. There's no... There is no, like, um, indicator of when these guys, like, oh, great matchup. These guys might have big games, but there is no indicator to lead to that. So if you have a better option that's safer, like, fucking Trey McBride, Jesus, who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At the beginning of the year, we're talking about that. But we're going to talk about some guys who've had huge weeks. Like, I think it's justifiable to start some of those guys rather than Eckler or Henry. Yeah, the, the ceiling for guys like Henry and Eckler seems to not only be much lower than it once was, but a lot further away. Like, these ceiling games, you're just... It would be genuinely shocking to see one of these guys rip off, like, a 120-yard, two- or three-touchdown day. It, it, that's just based on what they've done this season. Even though their name makes you think they're still capable of that, we just haven't seen performances like that consistent enough this year, or hardly at all, to where you feel great about them in your lineup. So, yeah, there are plenty of teams out there, I'm sure, with better options than them. And, Pat, you say, you know, who would have thought, considering a guy like Trey McBride over Derrick Henry— that goes along with my third and final lesson, which is something that is super important to keep in mind now because it's going to feel a lot less, it's going to resonate a lot less as next fantasy season gets closer. Narratives are going to develop from fantasy analysts, from just the world around you that are going to feel like fact. Remember, nothing is fact when it comes to fantasy football absolutely nothing do not be afraid to go against conventional wisdom do not be afraid to look at rankings and think this looks fucked up i don't agree with this if you do enough of your own research and listen to enough different people or just you know not even listen to people because that's where the narratives largely come from but educate yourself and you feel free to have opinions that differ from the conventional draft boards even if like everyone says that it should be a certain way because like it just drives me nuts that it feels crazy in the third round to take a guy who is ranked in the fifth round like Again, this year, everyone in the third round, basically, every third round pick was a bust. And so if you reached outside of that because of your own opinions or something, you are a lot happier than everybody who went with conventional wisdom in the third round. And again, you can't predict the future. Nothing is perfect, but just don't like remember the chaos of this season, I guess, is the the lesson. Remember how things don't always pan out the way we expect. And don't be afraid that if you feel like it's the right move to go a little off the board next year, the narratives are not fact, even though for the next several months after the season end, narratives is all we're going to have. Yeah, and it even holds true in our our league. Um, The guy that took down Brandon, uh, my cousin Austin. Austin, if you're listening, thanks for listening. Um, 
you know, like he drafted like Travis Etienne in the second round and everyone kind of just like glanced at each other. And then he took James Conner in the third and everyone yeah. just glancing at each other. Well, he's been consistently, I believe he was the second highest scorer in the league and then yeah. made the playoffs and is now in the championship. So again, like what you may think will happen. All of us think we're getting steals in the third round with like Chris Olave, Devonta Smith, Calvin Ridley. And this dude over here takes James Conner and we're like, what the fuck are you doing? He's the only one happy right now. Like, yes, Conner missed a large stretch with injury, but now he's back to the workhorse back right in time for the playoffs. He had a good couple weeks early. Like, don't be afraid to go off the board if you think it's the right pick, especially if you don't think that player is going to get around you in the next round. Absolutely take them then. Like, yeah. do not worry about it. Yeah, and honestly, that kind of plays well into my lesson. And my lesson is basically, like, I had a journalism professor in college. Shout out, Steve. No shot. That guy's listening. But um, he, <laughs> he, he used to say, go in with a plan and get ready to and be ready to blow up the plan. <clears throat> you know, mm -hmm. if you go into a – you can't go into a draft and say, I'm going to take this guy, this guy, this guy. I know you and our friend Dan used to be huge victims of that back in yes, the day. You guys would 100%. map out your entire draft. We, we over-mocked. We over-mocked for rounds. sure. I, I did zero mock drafts into this year, and I, dra I drafted an 8-5 and five team. Like, like for, for example, did I go into this draft planning to do zero RB? No. Like, nope. I knew it was a real possibility at the 12th pick, the way running backs fly off the board in a non-PPR league especially. But I went into that thinking like, okay, you know, maybe I could get a guy like Tony Pollard or maybe this. And then it didn't happen. And then same thing at the 3-4 turn. There was nobody. I remember it was like J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, thank God. And God, at that point, I said to myself, man. like, <clears throat> I said to myself, like, I could take these running backs just to fill a space. Or I can take the best players available, guys that I think are really going to do well, and worry about it later. And I did. And, and yep. it worked. And it worked. So I, I think the main lesson there is just, you know, don't pigeonhole yourself into a certain strategy. Like, am I going to go into next year being like, oh, zero RB worked great for me last year, so I'm doing it again? Hell no. Mm -hmm. Hell no. But if it comes to that again, I'll do it again. Like, yeah, I'll do it again. But, um, <clears throat> but, um, <laughs> yuck. But, um, and the other thing, like, the, the biggest thing I learned this year, zero RB can work. It can really work. But the thing is, it's, it's so much luck. It is so yeah. much luck. Like, I got so lucky this year. The way everything fell together that, one, Isaiah Pacheco and David Montgomery had fantastic years. Obviously, Montgomery missed some time, but they were fantastic in the 5-6 turn for me. Mm. And it worked out that I picked literally the best, possibly the best player in fantasy this year in Tyreek Hill at the 12th overall pick. Yep. And it was also wildly lucky that I had the 12th pick and the first waiver claim, and I was the one that came away with Puka after week one and I was and I was able to do that and turn Devontae Smith into a suspended Jonathan Taylor and Gus Edwards yeah who as we know for you know for a while tore things up and unfortunately I think he's gonna start tearing things up again for the rest of the because yeah, well, somebody and, else tore something up uh, everything just everything fell into place for me so perfectly but like what if that doesn't happen what if the running backs you draft in the fifth and sixth round or Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins. You know, a guy that right. gets benched and traded and a guy that tears his ACL, like, or Achilles. You're fucked. Like, you're starting yeah, you Kenneth are. Gainwell and Zach Charbonnet every week. Yeah. You may be loaded everywhere else. But, like, so that's the way I saw it was just that everything fell into place for me so perfectly that I was able to parlay zero running backs into, at one point, having four very startable running backs. But I just got incredibly lucky. But 
it shows that there are multiple ways you can approach a, a fantasy draft. And I had a blast this year because of that. Like this was the most year where I actually felt like, like a commissioner. Like I was out there wheeling and dealing, making calculated yeah. moves as to just kind of throwing caution to the wind. But, but at the same time, it's not really zero RB because it's like zero everybody this year. Like, uh, uh, oh it God. was more so wasn't really positions, but there were a lot of first round picks. We mentioned Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard underwhelmed. Nick Chubb gets hurt. Travis Kelsey underwhelms. The first round that's was a, a bloodbath outside of like CMC so like, and Tyreek. That's what I'm saying. So like, there's zero RB, but you can't. So like, the zero RB people can't be like, oh well, look what we did, ha ha ha, Kyron Williams, all this shit, like everybody stunk like you know it was yeah <laughs> it, it was just such a shit show for those early picks but like but yeah don't go into it with a certain plan in place and you know have fun with it like i said if you go for something wild have fun with it i was getting my people were laughing their asses off at my team when i had Montgomery we, yeah Pacheco. literally granted, we were laughing it was really funny <laughs> granted i believe the third my third running back I took, I think, was Tank Bigsby. Pat, I will never, ever, ever forget. Oh, no. after, I think after the Tank Bigsby. No, I'm not going to out you for the other thing. But I think after oh, the you, Tank I'll Bigsby pick. I'll out myself for the other thing. Okay. Go ahead. I yep. think after the Tank Bigsby pick, you just like look at your little paper you have in your hand with your roster, and you just look at us, and you go, my team fucking sucks. And we all die <laughs> laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, because before I said that, I'll absolutely out myself for this. Okay. I went to go take, um, I went to go take like a fucking antacid pill, like a fucking pepsin. And I realized that like I had an extra pepsin and I was missing one antidepressant. So, so I'm like, guys, I think I took two antidepressants. So we're all pissing ourselves. And then I just go, man, my team fucking sucks. <laughs> Oh, there were two guys in our league. They were like laughing for genuinely like fifteen minutes. Like it was, yeah, it was. That that's gonna go down as it an was all-time. good. But like that was the, good. the point is like yeah, like I took Tank Bigsby, I took Elijah Mitchell. Like I was throwing darts and they all fucking missed. So mm-hmm. the early again, ones hit though. That's what matters. But the other thing is, if you miss, you can still pull, you know, there's still so many things you can do to get around it. Yeah, absolutely. That and let that be one little bonus lesson for you, or yeah, I guess lesson for you guys. Uh, do live drafts if you can. Like if you have a close enough league oh, yeah. and you can swing it. Like don't let live drafts be a dying breed. Our league thankfully makes it an event every year. We get at least seven or eight people to show up in person. The other generally all four end up being you know on Zoom for it, and it's a great time. Do a live draft. You will create moments like that, and you will just have a much better time and a much more fun league. So can't. Oh. Can't recommend it enough because that is a memory. We have several memories from We've live drafts, so that many. one included, that are just iconic and will live on forever. And you guys can create those too if you if you do the same thing. Then Rodney White tried get, kid tried to take Roddy White like six rounds after he was drafted and, and pronounced it Rodney. That's that's our boy Brett who may or may not be listening. He's usually listening. So B-Dags. yes. There, those yourself. are our lessons. Those are our lessons for the season. Again, we will do more like a bigger fantasy wrap up uh, once the season is actually over for all of you listening. But for many of you listening, I'm sure you are still alive. Hopefully, Including with our us. advice. Yeah, that's true. Hopefully, with our advice, you uh, have made it to your fantasy championship or are still alive in your playoffs in some respect. And so we want to give you guys some more advice and, you know, obviously talk about the news and the notes around the league as we finish out this here regular season. But first, Pat, let's get to the news. I'm Ron Burgundy, and this is what's happening in your world tonight. All right, so the first thing... 
uh, you know, uh, just a couple days after our last podcast episode, Pat, we had Raiders Chargers on Thursday Night Football. Your yeah, your loss, yeah, you missed out. Your Las Vegas Raiders hung sixty three on the Chargers, and Brandon Staley finally mercifully got fired. Almost literally zero to a hundred for the Raiders in a, in yeah. a five day span. I, yeah, I actually I, I, was not watching that game, so every time I looked at the at the score, just my jaw dropped further to the ground. Like I just, <laughs> I knew the Chargers are ass, but like <clears throat> the Raiders, even you know their defense has been solid under Antonio Pierce, but that offense has been pedestrian at best or shutout worthy at worst. And then you know, <clears throat> I will say, you know, after the game, when like someone asked Brandon Staley, should you be the coach tomorrow? What the hell do you think he's going to say? Like, could you imagine a coach saying no? <laughs> no, uh, I'm actually going to hand in my resignation that, before that's I leave That's basically just, just such a trap question, because either the guy's going to say no and look like a complete, you know, guy with no confidence, or he's going to say yes, get fired the next day and look like a complete jackass. So that, that, that question was a bit leading, and I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of that, but... This is has been a long time coming, <clears throat> you know. Yeah, I was of the belief that after the playoff collapse last year, that he should have been fired. Agreed. Um, because one, he's a defensive guy, and that defense has ne- has not really been very good under him at all. They've got Khalil Mack, you've got Joey Bosa, yeah, you've got um, Derwin James. But I think that's the bigger problem, though, is that has a team been more ravaged by injury the last few years than the Chargers? You know, maybe like the Ravens are the first one that pops into my head as well. And I saw a tweet that said, like, oh, of course, the Chargers are a um, a great GM spot. Like, all their players are old and past their prime and extremely expensive. <laughs> Your quarterback is the second highest paid in the league, and we're not really sure if he deserves that yet. And you're $40 million over the cap. Yeah. That is going to be quite the situation for the new GM and the new head coach. But that said, Justin Herbert alone, the potential there, makes that probably the most... Um, the most enticing spot for head coach candidates. You know, obviously I'm sure we'll have more, but unless there's a wildly uh, surprising coaching change, this is going to be the best landing spot for a coach. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one with the Chargers, and I will say, um, yes, it was a stupid question to ask Brandon Staley if he feels like he deserves to be the coach, but he Brandon Staley did not need to further dig his own grave by saying uh i don't i don't remember if this is in response to that question but he basically said of the raiders scoring 63 points like these games happen could happen to anyone uh brandon i don't think more than a handful of teams have ever scored that many points and this is a couple weeks after you got so defensive about calling the defense and saying you know you don't you don't have to ask that question buddy i mean just just like take your lumps obviously he got fired anyway so i guess it doesn't really matter but like just say it was embarrassing don't try to justify and be like oh these games happen no the fuck they don't not Especially with any regularity right. like it happened when the what the the the, the dolphins put a 70 spot on right the yeah yeah that happens that's an elite offense having an elite day <laughs> this not is aiden o'connell quite literally, <laughs> quite literally got shut out a week ago Granted, against the yeah. pretty good Vikings defense, but you don't get shut out in the Still, NFL anymore. Yeah. But to go from 0 to 63 in a week is embarrassing. Yeah. I, I, Sean Zemir Payton. White and Trey Tucker, like, they don't even have their second exactly. best player on offense. They have, you know, they they don't have a, a strong starting quarterback. Just a, a Devontae Adams and a bunch of warm bodies, <laughs> and they drop 63 points. 
Yeah, Sean Payton getting diced up by Tyreek Hill and company in his first year trying to take over the Broncos is a lot different than Brandon Staley in his whatever-ith year with the Chargers getting destroyed by Aiden O'Connell and Trey Tucker. Like, it's just, it is apples to oranges, and it was bad. So, yeah, Brandon Staley absolutely deserved to be fired. From a fantasy perspective, Pat, um, I don't really know what this means for the Chargers players. I don't think it... At this point, I don't know if you're starting any Chargers players because Keenan Allen is still... who gifts me? <laughs> Jif Smith. It's pronounced Jif. Is it um, Jif? No, I'm kidding. I'm making a joke on the gif Jif argument. Oh, the gif. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm not I, like he's real. <laughs> and JoJo Wood in the new GM. Yeah, I, I don't know that if Keenan Allen misses with with injury, if he misses another game or maybe the rest of the season, I don't know that you're starting any Charger because we already talked about Austin Eckler being such a difficult player to start. And you go beyond those guys. I mean, I guess Josh Palmer as a volume play, he was pretty solid on my bench, but like. If it's just such a gross situation here with the Chargers that, you know, if you're out there playing in a fantasy championship and there's so much in flux now in LA, I'm probably like, there's no player that I'm really willing to sell out for in this situation and, and feel like is a bankable player to go after. So I, I, I'm, I, I'm not a fan. I do think Keenan Allen is that guy, but like you said, he made it. If he's healthy today. Yeah. He didn't practice today, so there's a real chance that he misses again. But if he's out, yeah, I, you can't feasibly start anybody because the only guys that were really on the fantasy radar are out. You know, Justin Herbert yeah. and Mike Williams. You're stuck with Austin Eckler, and we just talked about that, that he is no longer a lineup lock. He is not – he no longer justifies that. So, But you think if Keenan Allen does play, you got to start Keenan Allen because that's his thing is being the security blanket, the target monster, especially in PPR mm-hmm. leagues. A, a guy like Easton Stick needs – uh, Keenan Allen. He needs Keenan yeah. Allen. So, but right as of right now, the recording of this on Tuesday night, I'd assume Keenan Allen does not play. So yeah, you avoid that team at all costs. And, um, but who do they even play this week? Cause target that defense. God, I'm so bad at remembering oh, yeah. the schedules. Yeah, no, with me getting eliminated, oh, I have not oh, been God. Yeah, well, you're top. starting Ooh. Buffalo's defense most likely anyway. So yeah, really hammer that. Yeah, so Brandon Staley officially out as Chargers head coach will certainly be one of the narratives to follow in the offseason. Who ends up taking over this offense? What happens to Kellen Moore? A lot of questions need to be answered. Just thinking about it, Pat, preliminarily, uh, what other coaches are likely to be fired? I mean, I think we're looking at... I mean, so let's see. Brandon Staley's joining Josh McDaniels and Frank Reich in the unemployment line, along with assistant coaches like Matt Canada and... Um, uh, who's the defensive coordinator that got fired. Don't remember. doesn't matter. Uh, Ken but, Dorsey got fired. Yes, thank you. Coordinator. Thank you. That also, was it. Um, shout out Matt Patricia. Um, oh, he, he's, he's slimmed down a bit. Good good for him. He looks good. The black will help. The black is very slimming. <laughs> um, but, yes, other coaches that are probably going to get fired or at least have a good chance to get fired, I think we're looking at our boy Arthur Smith. His time's probably coming to an end. We'll talk about him in a second. We've also got you know Bill Belichick probably on his way out mike tomlin might be on the hot seat there's some really big names not arthur smith so there's some really big names here that could be uh entering the coaching free agency market i was i was talking to my dad the other day i said could realistically could all four nfc south coaches get fired i I think it's more than justable for dennis allen to get fired especially if they don't win the division which it still seems like it's tampa's or atlanta's like new orleans seems like the number three option there and Dennis Allen has done nothing there. And Todd Bowles has really not done anything there to carry out what Bruce Arians had got there. Granted, a lot of older players and things like that. But I wouldn't, I don't think it's necessarily going to happen. But I think it is a possibility that we have a an entire new division 
of rookie head, well, maybe not rookie I, head coaches, but at least first sure. year head coaches with that team. Yeah, I mean, I think Dennis Allen's all but gone. Um, I think Arthur Smith, barring you know, w- winning the last three games, is all but gone. Todd Bowles probably has the best chance to stick, but again, he's such an uninspiring option that it's like, even if they win the division, I I think if they get bounced in the first round, which whoever wins this division is likely to get bounced in the first round. um, Yeah, I totally agree with you. We could see a clean sweep of the NFC South and uh, get some new faces in there, which um, would be nice. Also, obviously, Matt, Matt Eberflus. I mean, it depends. Like, do you think that he could be the guy with Caleb Williams presumably being there next Mm. year? Or, you know, do you think it's more of a Justin Fields problem? But probably not. Like, yeah, I think you should probably just start completely clean uh, yeah. with with Caleb Williams here. And I just had another one on the top of my head, and it just skipped my mind. Um, oh, God. Shit. There are – no, there are there are quite a few coaches that are, are feasibly about to one. get fired this offseason. So uh, let's take a look here. I'm sure it'll it'll come to our heads um, if we look at it. Uh, oh, Robert see. Sala. I, I, that's who I was thinking of. Okay. I think Robert Sala will probably get another shot with Aaron Rodgers next year. I think he'll get Me a too. shot to carry out what they were planning on doing this year. But yeah. I think next year is a humongous make-or-break year. And I – and I think Brian Dable probably gets another shot. And, I do too. Like, yeah, I think he should. I, I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't blame. Him. They've been terrible, but I wouldn't blame them if they did get rid of him. But I, I think they should hang on to him, give him another shot. Plus, plus he's handsome. Getting rid of Brian Dayball would feel a lot like when the Dolphins got rid of Brian Flores, like a year after he significantly overachieved. Like I think that's what Dayball did last year with Daniel Jones. He overachieved. Like yeah. so, don't fire him now just because they came back down to earth when the roster is just not that good. Um, the last I think auto fire is Ron Rivera. Ron we forgot Ron Rivera. <laughs> Ron yeah, Rivera. Like, Ron Rivera is halfway out the door right now. That was like, the face he's, I he's just packing made. His I was going through and yeah. I'm like, oh dear. Yeah, he's he's packing his bags already. That that the commanders need a clean sweep of everything, including their uniforms and branding, if you ask me. So the commanders, uh, they'll be looking for a head coach for sure. Okay, one of those coaches, Pat, that we just mentioned, um, Arthur Smith. Now, obviously, a very fantasy relevant, a very fantasy contentious head coach, and we need to talk about him because he put together a disaster class Master here. Class, it, man. it was it was Arthur Smith vintage classic performance out of him. Like they're gonna have highlight reels of this. I, he's gonna have a hoop mixtape that just makes me want to vomit. After <laughs> several weeks of us giving him some credit for getting Bijan more involved, getting Drake London and Kyle Pitts more involved, you know, coming off of probably their most well-rounded offensive game from a, at least from a box score perspective against the Bucks last week. Obviously they did ultimately lose that game, but it was still an effective use of the weapons despite Desmond Ritter being a bum. Uh, This week, we have just a complete 180. Tyler Algier has 16 touches in that game against the Panthers. Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts, and Drake London had 13 touches combined. Incredible. Incredible mismanagement of personnel that he has somehow fallen back into. And look, I know the game was rainy. It was disgusting. That might lend itself more toward running the ball and especially running the ball with somebody who his game isn't predicated on quick cuts that you can't necessarily make in those type of conditions. But nonetheless, Bijan Robinson still needs to be in at least a 50-50 split with Algier, and they needed to throw the ball a little bit more to just keep themselves in that game. Instead, Arthur Smith does not use his best players and falls to the Carolina Panthers in the process. That's the biggest I think thing about this. This this game I think cost Arthur Smith his job just not yet. If, It'll be at the end of the year. 
you know, if they win this game, he can still say that. Hey, who cares? We won. Right. But you lost to the worst team in football by a good margin, by the way. Like, they are considerably the worst team in football. Yes. And, I mean, fortunately at this point, I hope to God people weren't starting Drake London and Kyle Pitts because we, we they're too inconsistent. We've I mean, I don't own them in anything, but, like, if I did, I would have learned my lesson by now. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think the common denominator here, you got bounced in my two teams that got bounced here all had B. John Robinson in the starting lineup. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. we were counting on B. John Robinson. He was one of your league winners, and everything was looking good, and then just inexplicable. What Cordero Patterson, like, why is he getting touches? Five carries for negative two yards. Derrick Henry-looking ass. Like, <laughs> that, that's just... John U. Smith. I mean, John U. Smith's been okay this year, but like, but that's just because Arthur Smith has a genuine fetish for him. Like, yeah, I, like I think he's got dirt on him or something. Like, yeah, in he he absolutely needs to go because they're not winning in the most winnable division in football again by a lot. Yeah, I mean. Are the Falcons the most talented roster in that division? I think they certainly have an argument for it top to bottom. They are just not used effectively at all. And don't get me wrong, I know Desmond Ritter is bad, and there's nothing Arthur Smith can do about that, but there needs to be a little bit more consistency from a uh, usage perspective of the weapons around Desmond Ritter that can help maximize you know, what little potential he may have. Because this is a team that can win this division, but now it's looking like a team that is not going to. So I think Arthur Smith is probably done. I, they're going to let him finish out the year, most likely, because if they weren't, I mean, I think he would have been fired right after that game, but he has he has survived. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll let him finish out the year, but I think it is the end of the line for Arthur Smith. And as far as you know, owning Falcons players now, like if you own B. John Robinson and you're still alive, I mean, you still start him, but like, unless your team's uh, just it, loaded. Yeah, yeah, your team would have to be really loaded. I don't think Bijan Robinson is in that Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler tier of like he's Agreed. not a startable player. We've seen Bijan kind of bottom out before this year and then rebound pretty pretty well right after. Um, but you're definitely not feeling as good. I, I mentioned how Derrick Henry, you know, people's reasoning for drafting him, some of them was because of his playoff schedule. My reasoning for trading for Bijan was largely this Carolina Panthers matchup. You know, when I traded for him, I was like, cool, that'll be great to have in the fantasy playoffs. And then this happens. So just classic Arthur Smith, um, absolute mess there. And Pat, Arthur Smith feels like a guy who, you know, really wants the fantasy community's attention for better or for worse. But he is nowhere near the attention whore that our friend Aaron Rodgers is. So You thought I was mad last week about the Chiefs. (laughs) I have not remembered disliking an athlete as strongly as I dislike Aaron Rodgers right now. And, I mean, the dude was always kind of just been like, you know, just kind of like a douchebag vibes, you know, doesn't talk to his family. Obviously, we don't know the details there, so I don't want to really hit him for that. But, like, for whatever reason, this guy just thinks he's the most important person in the world and that yeah. everybody needs to hear everything he says. You know, he goes through the, you know, the whole immunization thing, the whole darkness retreat, you know, the whole will he, won't he play and now his newest thing uh, today was on Pat McAfee as he goes on and gets paid to go on every week um, that, oh, I'm not coming back this year. He had to, like, squash the notion, the narrative. My brother in Christ, the only reason this was even a discussion is because you said it. Nobody would have expected a thing. You, tear, you rupture your Achilles, you're done for the year. 
Nobody in the world would say like, oh, well, maybe if they make a deep playoff run. No, you were the one that said that. And then you're saying, oh, I'm, I'm listening. I'm getting my legs rubbed with peanut butter while I'm listening to dolphin <laughs> noises or whatever the fuck you said. <laughs> and then, and then, um, and now he's like, oh, of course I'm not coming back. What are you talking about? They opened your, your IR window and all this and everything. Yeah. Like this was just all to keep his name in the spotlight. Like, this man absolutely Dutch ovens himself in the middle of the night because he just loves to smell his own farts. Like, I've never seen someone, a phenomenal quarterback, surefire Hall of Famer, probably should have more than one Super Bowl at this point if you really want to talk about him amongst some of the elites. But that's not true, Dan Marino, but sorry. But I'm getting off, getting off track there. But a fantastic quarterback, Hall of Famer, but like, no, like, it's just that it gets me mad is how then he has to spin everything onto someone else. The whole immunization thing. Oh, well, the media, you know, blew that out of proportion. Motherfucker, you lied. Like, you yeah. just flat out yeah, lied, lied to them. Of right. course, when they found out that you lied to them, they're going to say something about it. Yeah. And now this saying how, you know, this narrative got pushed. It's like, you are the author of your own fate right now. Everything you is happening to you is because of you. And... I just I'm I'm just curious now what he's gonna do. Maybe he'll like say like, oh maybe I'll retire in the off season. What his plan is gonna be this off season to keep his name in the uh, in the limelight. But God, I I don't really dislike athletes a lot, even on teams that I don't like. Like I've never been the guy to like. I'm a diehard Yankee fan. I love David Ortiz. Like I've never been the guy to just hate the best player on another team. So I don't really mm. I don't really hate a lot of athletes. God, I hate Aaron Rodgers. Very few athletes give you as good of a reason to hate them as Aaron Rodgers does. Like not a lot of athletes give you, you know, enough of an insight into their personality or their opinions for you to have a have a true basis to hate them other than just, you know, oh, he's really good and plays for a team I don't like. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is a very hateable person and player. I, I hate to <laughs> I hate to, you know, say that, but he absolutely is. Um yeah, it's not a surprise that he's not playing this year. I will say a report came out today that he I think this was another thing he said maybe on the McAfee show that he he envisions himself playing uh, potentially beyond next year. So it doesn't seem like he's going to play the retirement card, but who knows what he's going to do this off season to keep his name in the spot. He already pulled the darkness retreat. Maybe, I don't know, maybe he'll go sit for a week in fucking Guatemalan rainforest or something. Maybe he'll date Taylor I, Swift. Oh, there's a, there's a scoop. That, that'd, that'd be something for sure. Hey, or, or some other, you know, celebrity, maybe he'll date Lizzo. That'd be, that'd be fun. I would, I would be down for that storyline. Um, yeah. Aaron Rodgers not playing again. What a fucking shock. Okay. Moving on, Pat, let's address some of the talk massive, about good stuff. yeah, let's talk about some good stuff. Dive into the fantasy stuff here. Massive, massive fantasy performances this what, week. What a um, week. It was, it week. was a really good week in you terms know, of scoring. some guys who we expected some guys who like yeah are startable guys some guys on your bench that popped off and then Trey Tucker so like yeah. there's there's just all over the map here on just near 20 point performances yeah, so the first note we have here, I mean, we have a list of all the players who popped off. You you just put every important player on the Lions, which I think is an accurate description. David Montgomery was mid, and he still had like 10, I believe he had 10 points, which isn't awful, yes. not good, but not awful. Like, thank God, because I'm in a 16-team league, and I was talking about how, like, all I had was Jared Goff, and my best option was Nick Mullins, and I said to myself, you know, like, fuck it, like, I, we've seen Goff do it. Like, Nick mm. Mullins is more of, like, a vibes pick. Like, oh, the vibes, whatever. But Hoping Jared he does Goff, a Jake we've Browning, seen him yeah. do it. They're, you know, they've shown to be a really high-level offense at points, especially at home. And thank God I did that because I'd be sitting on the couch in that league, too, had I went with Nick Mullins. But 
for him to have the game he had, and then the one that impressed me the most is, is I believe I put, well, I had it originally before I put every line, but Jameer MF and Gibbs mm-hmm. is, he's not even arrived. He's been here. Yeah, he looks great. He looks incredible. And he's a guy, I, I, where do you think his ADP is next year? In You think he's a first? Very close, if not. Yeah, like maybe, one of those late, like early late first, early latest. second type of guys. Yeah, for sure. All, all the Lions popped off. Uh, Got to give a shout out to my boy Sam Laporta. I mean, he, this is what's this is what I always strive for in fantasy football. I mentioned this last week is like just to be able to care about my team for as long as possible. Honestly, it was pushing it after last week how big of a deficit I was facing that I felt like maybe this week I wouldn't care that much. But after that Lions game and Sam Laporta gives me three touchdowns after Ty Chandler drops twenty. I was able to at least have a glimmer of like, oh, I yeah. could maybe do this and, and and enjoy the game Sunday, watch them with some hope, at least for a while. Sam Laporta gave me a lot of that hope, especially with that random touchdown right at the end of the game, which I got up off my couch and yelled when he scored because I was like, this can't be happening. Yeah. If this actually happens, I am the fucking chosen one. Sadly, didn't finish the job, but Sam Laporta is that guy. Sam Laporta, Pat, might be TE1 next year. He really might be. I mean, he's he's tight end one in terms of scoring right now. Travis Kelsey, I believe, has the same points per game, but I'm not taking 35-year-old Travis Kelsey over Sam Laporta. I'm the not doing it. The only thing about Sam Laporta like that I haven't loved maybe in comparison to some other younger tight ends is he's been a bit more touchdown dependent, which, again, tight end is an incredibly touchdown dependent uh, position. But you look at guys like TJ Hawkinson, uh, Trey McBride, even Dalton Kincaid at one point. Dalton no- Dawson Knox needs to fuck right off. Even a guy like Jake Ferguson, the volume's really good. Like, if they don't score a touchdown, they can still have an, you know, very easily have a double-digit day. That's the only mm-hmm. thing about, I wouldn't even call it a red flag with Sam Laporta. Like, obviously, like, is he tight end one the rest of the year? I think it's either him or TJ Hawkinson, probably. But, you know, Laporta is just in a way better offense. Yeah, I he's just been... He's probably my favorite pick I made this year. And I made a good amount of late round picks that, you know, outproduced their ADP for me. But Sam Laporta, I will remember picking him for the yeah. rest of my of my fantasy career. Uh, next, another player I picked as well, but I didn't start and it wouldn't have made a difference anyway. So that's okay. Jordan Addison, 29.1 points, six catches for 111 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, who saw that coming in Justin Jefferson's first game back? And he did that alongside Ty Chandler, who popped off. I also started him. 23 carries for 132 yards and a touchdown and then three catches for 25 yards. 24.7 points on this that Saturday game against the Bengals what a performance yeah I mean Chandler's the better running back in that room I mean you know we've we've been banging that drum all fucking year I mean god damn it (laughs) you know even when Alexander Madison comes back Madison needs to be the complimentary back to Ty Chandler and Ty Chandler's a legit three down back I mean that was going to be his whole thing before you know Cam Akers came to the picture was like he's going to be the third down back but it's clearly it's clear he could do it on early downs as well but huge game from Jordan Addison no one was probably starting him and rightfully so just because yeah he's just completely disappeared even without Justin Jefferson and I still don't think you can start Jordan Addison even you know with Nick Mullins just because it's too risky and again similar to Josh Palmer who you know had four catches and one of them was a huge touchdown a little dependent on the deep ball you know we're at the point in fantasy seasons where splitting a hair like that might be the ultimate difference and that's the only reason why if I was a Jordan Addison owner I probably still wouldn't be rushing to put him in my lineup. But Ty Chandler, absolutely. 
yeah, Ty Chandler should be in probably most lineups, at least as a flex uh, for the rest of the season. Pat, I included this one because he's just he's just that fucking guy. I mean, it's Christian McCaffrey, 18 carries, 115 yards. See, I figured touchdown. that one without saying. Five catches, 72 yards, and two touchdowns, 41.7 points. Like, I again, I'm just glad he's continuing to do this now and just continuing to dispel the whole McCaffrey's injury-prone label. People hopefully realizing now that that's just a risk all running backs face, and he got unlucky for a little bit. But Christian McCaffrey is the best fantasy player in, in or best fantasy asset in fantasy football and is probably your consensus 101 next year, as he should be. And if you've got him, as you should are, have been this year as he should have been this year, and you are probably riding him to a fantasy title if you've put together any sort of competent team around him. He's just Sorry, an absolute monster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. How did the Christian McCaffrey owner in our league not make the playoffs, guys? That is a question not we will never fully understand. He, I think he was second to last. Sorry. He was the worst, yeah, he was one of the worst teams in the league. If he's listening. It, was, it was just McCaffrey and nobody else on, on his roster. RIP. Okay, James Cook, Pat. Now, this is one that... Sheesh. Uh, I mean, I, I had James Cook for a while, ended up trading him in a deal for Bijan Robinson, which if I could go back, I guess I wouldn't do now. I mean, it wouldn't make a difference either way. I'd still would have lost, I think. But yeah. James Cook popping off, and it has all coincided with Joe Brady calling plays for the Bills. Apparently, Joe Brady's able to identify something that Ken Dorsey could not, which is that James Cook is good and should get touches. And he responded with that to, to that confidence by going 25 carries, 179 yards and a touchdown, two catches, 42 yards and a touchdown, 36.1 points. I never saw this coming. I mean, what a I monster. Mean, absolutely. And I saw uh, a quote from Joe Brady today, uh, basically saying how, like, we didn't plan on running that much, but, the gr- you know, the ground game was so effective that you just do it. And somebody, some uh, NFL pundit kind of, like, tweeted that, like, that's the difference between calling plays and calling a game. Yeah. You know, you could call plays all you want, but to to be able to pivot like that the way he did. But, yeah, nobody should have ever been getting carries on this team, whether Damian Harris, whether Latavius Murray. Remember Leonard Fournette? Remember that? Uh, I, I was very sure he would be relevant. He is just not. Or even so Ty, cool. Or even Ty Johnson. So, like, yeah. Um, so it should have been James Cook all along. Uh, but just for a Bills running back to get 25 carries in a game is insane with how, you know, you know pass-heavy that team has been. But. They just fucking pumped them, man. Like, two huge wins in a row for them. Like, they're there. At this rate, you've got to think they're going to head towards the playoffs. But just massive, massive wins there. Yeah, James Cook emerging as the season comes to a close, the regular season that is. Um, he, he'll he be an interesting one, Pat, to follow his ADP heading into next year because as it stood, I think he would have gone around the same place he did this year, which was like fifth-ish round, but if he puts up, you know, not even 36 points, but if he puts up some more workhorse sort of numbers, we're looking at James Cook as potentially second round, at least early third round pick. I don't know. That'll be a fun one to follow. We for also sure. forgot about Mr. 9-11 himself in uh, coaches that might be on the hot seat. Yeah, McDermott. Like, yeah. I know it's been a short tenure, but like his Joe Brady coached his way back onto the head coaching radar. Like he was a sneaky head coach candidate back when he was the offensive coordinator at LSU. Then obviously he was Matt Rule's scapegoat in Carolina, had to settle for the mm-hmm. quarterback's coach job in Buffalo, and is now just clearly showing out again in an offensive coordinator role. So especially you look at a team that like, you know, Caleb Williams, Justin Herbert, like like Joe Brady was tied yeah. to the um I believe that was around the time they hired Brandon Staley. Like Joe Brady was had some hype at that point that he could uh be the Chargers next head coach, so 
Yeah, that will be that's a good question. I'm, I'll be curious because there's going to be a lot of head coaching openings. And so anybody that kind of you know proves their worth here over the last couple of weeks could definitely be in that mix. Uh, Pat, next up, we've got Jalen Waddle. Just look. Popped off with Tyreek Hill out of the picture for 142 yards and a touchdown, 28.2 points. Um, against a tough Jets secondary, still impressive, even even with Hill out and him being the clear primary option. Uh, what a what a game for Waddle, a guy who's been banged up all year. It just goes to show, you know what, Tyreek is, t- is teased that he's going to retire at the end of his contract. When Jalen Waddle is the number one player in an offense, good lord. Like, he's going yeah. to be putting up, you know, he's going to be a top 10 at worst wide receiver there. Yeah, Waddle, a guy that I think a lot of people wanted, you know, maybe more work from this season or at least more production from, and he's maybe delivering on that a little bit late, but at least, you know, better late than never here with Jalen Waddle. David Njoku, Pat, talked about him last week. He popped off. Well, he popped off again with, he's just been a beast with Joe Flacco. 26.4 points this week, 104 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Maybe the most random emergence of a player at the end of the year. Like he's just kind of been good, like okay up to this point, even bad for fantasy purposes. And now he's just, he's become TE1 over the last two weeks, tight end one. Like he's been a monster. So shout out to David Njoku uh, for as long as Flacco's out there. I think you can feel good about starting him. Absolutely. And like, you know, a lot of tight end discourse going on with like Travis Kelsey. Like, do you start David Njoku over Travis Kelsey? <laughs> like, oof. It's it, it's so crazy I don't know. that it's even a tough decision. That is insane that it's a tough decision. But not only has Kelsey been like bad for his own stand, like well for Kelsey's own standards, he's been disastrous. But even for tight end standards, Travis Kelsey's just been pretty meh. Yeah, and, you know we're looking at guys like Sam Laporta, like uh, obviously thank God for flex spots like David Njoku, like Trey McBride. It's like because uh, I'm sure they're. Well, again, is are there a lot of Travis Kelsey owners in in the playoffs still right now? Like, because he was probably a first or second round pick, and he has not been a first yeah. or second round pick value, especially at tight end. I will say that not to stroke off our boy Austin too much, but that is another thing that's very impressive about his team is that's that was right. his first round pick. That was his first round pick. I mean, look, a lot of a lot of other first round picks busted a lot worse than Travis Kelsey did, which uh, I'm sure is part of it. But he still has not returned value. I'm also not allowed to stroke him off. We're related. I'll leave that one alone. All right, Chris Godwin, 10 catches, 155 yards, no touchdowns, 25.5 fantasy points. Um, I believe he was questionable coming into this game and ended up saying, fuck being questionable. I'm going to go off. Baker Mayfield obviously had a big game that supported Chris Godwin's big game. Um, Just a great performance from him this week. Then let's see, we've got Terry. One funny thing about Chris Godwin was that like when Tyreek was out, I had to throw someone into my lineup in the the Mm. consolation game just for the hell of it. And I threw Chris Godwin in there. And like I said, had I actually made the playoffs and thrown, granted, I probably would have been more active on waivers. Different stuff would have happened. But sure. Chris Godwin would have won me would have won me a matchup there and get, advanced me to a championship. So that's what we thought we were going to see from the Bucks, right? That like Mike Evans yeah. could still kind of exist as this, you know, big play guy. And Chris Godwin could be a guy getting close to, you know, 8, 10 catches here and there. And like, pretty disappointing. But man... For the no one that started him this week, (laughs) you've been rewarded. Chris Godwin saving benches across the land from being too barren of points. Okay, Terry McLaurin. Pat, this one's funny to me. 141 yards and a touchdown, 26.1 points. Sam Howell has been a fantasy asset basically all year. I'm not sure if he still is, but for a while he was second in the league in passing yards. And yet somehow he didn't support a single fantasy relevant receiver like on a consistent basis all season. (laughs) Yeah. And then this week 
Sam Howell has one of his worst games of the season. And yet Terry McLaurin puts together a wide receiver one stat line. Nothing, to, nothing on the commanders makes any sense. Jacoby Brissett loves him some Terry McLaurin. McLaurin had, I believe yeah. McLaurin had like a 50-yard touchdown with once Brissett came into the game. The thing, though, is with Washington, it's like, what benefit do you get from starting Jacoby Brissett this week? You are 4-10. and 10, You are out of it. You need yeah. to start your younger player. Like, you need to see, you need to keep seeing what you have in Sam Howell to, you know, kind of see what you're dealing with, again, for the next presumably the next GM head coaching regime there. So, like, you think, like, oh, start percent for Terry, but that, realistically that just isn't going to happen, and I don't think it should. Yeah, it, it was fascinating to see Terry finally put up a great stat line. All it all it took was Jacoby Brissett to come in for garbage time and prop him up a little bit. And then, Pat, we've got Devin Singletary here who has put together some nice games at the end of the season but didn't necessarily expect it here with Case Keenum at the helm. Still put up 21 fantasy points. I believe it was about, let me do my math in my head real quick, uh, 170 all-purpose yards. Big game from Singletary once again. I think it just goes to show that Damian Harris is just bad. Like we, Damian Pierce. We, yes. we, we were talking about bust, bust, bust. And then at the end of the preseason, we kind of got sucked into your narrative. Like you mentioned, they're like, mm. oh, Damian Pierce looked pretty good. And we were like, oh, maybe we were wrong. But no, we were right. This guy is yeah. just not very good to the point where he's getting shown up by Devin Singletary, who has shown himself to be an okay running back in the NFL. But wild. And shout out Noah Brown as well. Another, you know, we, we thought this offense was going to be like pedestrian. But maybe it would have been with Davis Mills. Just wild to just pluck Case Keenum out of there. Uh, Houston legend and uh, for them for that to happen and to, yeah. to win the game, right? The, I'm not losing it, right? Uh, the Tex- Yes, the Texans, yeah, Texans uh, won, the game, yeah. won the game, yes. Um, yeah, I think the range, if you went back to the preseason and thought about what the range of outcomes would have to be for Devin Singletary to become a fantasy-relevant piece, it's like, okay, The Texans' offense, first of all, has to be good, which nobody expected that at the beginning of the season. The line has to be good. Nobody really expected that, even though they had a couple pieces. Then you need Damian Pierce to not just underperform, but be objectively pretty terrible. And then Devin Singletary to have some of the best games of his career, including, I know at least he had his career high this year in in a game against me. So, yeah. 32 carries in a game. Yeah, Devin, Devin Singletary... May, like maybe at the very bottom of the list of players I expected to be fantasy relevant at any point this season. So shout out to him for just shattering those expectations. Then we got a couple honorable mentions here. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 20.1 points, and Trey Tucker, 20.7 points. Clyde is probably in an okay number of lineups. Trey Tucker, though, nowhere, not sniffing a fantasy lineup this week. Yeah, so probably shout out not to even guys. sniffing fantasy benches, even in the deepest yeah, leagues. No. Who is owning Trey Who's owning Trey Tucker? But like I said, Brent, I'm in a position where, like, I'm on the bench and I've got, like, um, you know, like, I've got too many players, basically. I'm at the point where I have too many players. It's like, I'm, like, be- praying for Isaiah Pacheco to come back so I can just drop CEH and McKinnon yeah. and get them off my radar. Yeah. Like, now I'm sitting here thinking, like, what the hell do I do? Like, you know, same thing. Like, I've got Zach Moss as well. It's like, JT, come back. Like, something happened here. So, like. I don't have to make these tough decisions. Like I'm rooting for guys on my own team to just they're down praying on their downfalls on my own team just so I can just clear the way, clear my goddamn head, man. It does seem like, according to Andy Reid, that Pacheco will be back this week. So you could probably get rid of those guys. League winner, Isaiah Pacheco. 
League winner Isaiah Pacheco, just two weeks too late. All right, speaking of Pacheco, who is injured, Pat, let's move on to some of the injuries that we are monitoring here as we get to the close of the fantasy regular season and just the NFL regular season. First of all, Jamar Chase has a separated shoulder. He's expected to be out this week and potentially beyond, but at least is out for this week. This is, I keep thinking of the Bengals, Pat, in my head as a team that I'm like mentally eliminating from the playoffs. And I'm like, no, this is a massive loss for a team that is trying to make the playoffs. I keep just feeling like Jake, the Jake Browning Bengals should be out of the picture and they're not. So this is going to be Shout a big hit. Browning, man. Yeah, he's, he's playing like a monster. Yeah, this is this is a big hit for the Bengals. Obviously a big hit for any fantasy teams out there that are surviving with Jamar Chase. Shout out to you yeah. because he's another one that through honestly things out of his control has underperformed at least half the time this season. Um, but yeah, Jamar Chase. If you have him, look to make other plans because I don't think he's going to be there for you, seems at least like, not in yeah, a reliable way like Yeah, for the rest of the fantasy regular season. He's going to at least be out for this week. Pat, then we've got Michael Pittman, a victim of a horrific hit from uh, DeMonte Casey. I want to make sure I'm saying that name right, I believe. Um, but either so. way, he, he was suspended for the rest of the season, and I believe rightfully so, for a pretty dirty hit on Michael Pittman. And now it Pittman seems there were is, others, though. It doesn't seem like it was exclusive. It, yeah, I believe they said yes. it was like a... You know, like a consistent violation of league conduct or something like that. Correct. Yeah. Very tough hit on Pittman that has left him in concussion protocol. So question of if he will be available this week, if he is a guy that you are trying to start or are hoping to start, um, you may need to look at other options. And Pat, I don't think any of those options are going to come from the Colts roster. I no. the, the receiver breakdown there is just rough right now. Josh Downs is a guy we've talked up in the past, but his targets, for whatever reason, have Crater. dwindled. He's Yeah, they've gone 5-3-3 three, and three the past three weeks, so he is not a guy you can rely on. The other receivers, they have Alec Pierce and DJ Montgomery, who, I'll be honest, yeah, for, don't really know who DJ Montgomery there were two is. Two players I, on the on the Colts this week where you know I was sitting there and just like I genuinely don't know who this is. Like Tyler Goodson. Yeah, yeah. Genuinely, I don't know who that is. I, now I, I do, think. But. I think Tyler Goodson was a bear briefly. That's the only background I have on him, and so I, I might be Packer. wrong. Let's I, see. Mm, let's look up. Let's see whose hunch on Tyler Goodson was right. Well, I think I looked at his <laughs> his thing. Yeah, he was on the Packers last year. He, he never on the Bears. He, no, he came out of Iowa. Okay. Okay, I'm thinking of some other... You know who I'm thinking of? I think I'm thinking of Tyler Irvin from, like, years ago. Christ. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Random, non-existent person uh, running the ball for the Colts. But, yeah, if you have Pittman, you're not replacing him with the Colt. If you had to, gun to your head, Pat, I think I'm going to go with DJ Montgomery just because he made the biggest play. He did have more targets in his first actual extended action. He had more targets than Josh Downs. So maybe it's one where you you ride the wave and see if he can do it again. Um, But otherwise, you you likely in ninety nine percent of leagues are going to have better options than a Colt to replace Michael Pittman. The Mo Alley Cox erasure here is disturbing. <laughs> Mo Alley Cox, man, I I love me some Mo Alley Cox. All right. Couple more players in concussion protocol. We've got Trevor Lawrence and CJ Stroud remaining in concussion protocol. I actually just got an alert that came through just now. It seems like CJ Stroud is going to miss another week, so plan wow. for that however you are. And Trevor Lawrence, he is more TBD, but look, most players, not to speculate, most players that go into concussion protocol do miss a game, but either way, something to monitor throughout the week if you are relying on Trevor. But honestly, even if you are, you probably don't feel great about that. And, and the other thing too, like, you could clearly tell. Well, obviously there was the big hit where, like, presumably he got concussed. And even if you didn't know that, he was terrible after that. Like, a yeah. lot of just terrible misses. You know, just really, obviously they really weren't in the game to begin with. But he looked considerably worse after this. And it's just amazing how, 
that guy showed zero concussion symptoms to yeah. the staff there. I just, I, I find that really, I mean, granted, again, things can appear later, but I just find that re- really hard to believe. But he didn't look right, and um, and it suffered. You know, Jacksonville, nobody really, uh, you weren't really happy with anybody unless you started Jamal Agnew. So, um. uh, that, that, that's a funny story because obviously, Pat, in my efforts to come back from an insurmountable deficit in fantasy, I was trying to find the guys that I thought had like the biggest ceilings among receivers. And so, at, at my receiver wide receiver two spot, after you know AJ Brown occupies my number one, I was thinking. Um, I, I ended up going with Zay Jones over Calvin Ridley because I was like, Zay Jones last year at the end of the year had like a couple of multi-touchdown games. Like, okay, I'm trying to capture lightning in a bottle. But I went with Zay Jones. My, I was debating between Jones and Calvin Ridley. And of course, the guy who catches the 65-yard touchdown is Jamal Agnew. Again, one, one of those wasn't going to be enough. I needed somebody to catch like two or three of those to have a chance. But yeah, I was just like, that's, that's appropriate. Of course, it's Jamal Agnew. For the longest touchdown pass of Trevor Lawrence's career, by the way, it was Jamal Jeez. Agnew on the other end of it. But yes, Might Trevor Lawrence... Might discussion about him at the end <laughs> of the season. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence in concussion protocol. I think, Pat, to... to once the season ends, we may we should probably do like a divisional breakdown of like just how the season went for each of these players and talk about some of them because like We're need Trevor to Lawrence content. Trevor Lawrence is a guy that there needs to be some discussions made and I think that'll be the the best way to go about it because he's just he has not had the season I wanted him to have but as of right now he may not even be playing this week so keep an eye on that Pat this one is not a guy that you anybody probably had in their lineups but still bears mentioning because it sucks Keaton Mitchell torn ACL brutal looking injury. <sighs> Um, and in response, the Ravens have called up Melvin Gordon. So sick. Don't add Melvin Gordon. Don't do it just no, for clarity. Um, but it's Gus bus season, baby. Oh God. Yeah. As gross is. as it is. Um, again, granted, actually Gus was had more. It's funny. Cause like Mitchell did start again and the whole thing last week was like, Oh, Mitchell or two weeks ago was, Oh, Mitchell started. Oh, Mitchell, uh, did this. And it's just like. And then it looked like a little more Gus this week, and now it's going to be a, a lot of Gus. And, again, that's a really good offense with a lot of touchdown potential. Um, I think he's firmly on the flex radar. I don't think he's a lineup lock, but, like, do you start Gus? I, I'm, I'd start Gus Edwards over Derrick Henry. I hate to say Ooh, that. that yeah, makes me I think so. It. I think I would, too. But I think I would, too. Just, a better, just from the point that they're both touchdown dependent, which offense do you trust to be at the one-yard line more often? I, yeah. I think it's Baltimore by a lot, but it sucks with Keaton Mitchell. You know, we finally started to see something, and now he'll probably have to miss some time next year. Possibly. Well, ACLs are a little – aren't uh, – excuse me, aren't quite as long uh, absences as they used to be. Now sometimes like 10 months, but yeah. might miss some time next year too. But, yeah, he, he's, a, he's a really exciting player. Granted, what, like 5'8", 185, soaking <laughs> wet. Like he almost has me dimensions. Um, and – uh but nonetheless, an exciting player. Sucks. Yeah, sucks that we won't see him for quite a while. Uh, some other injury updates. So those were kind of the new injuries of the week outside of Stroud, who's obviously been hurt. But if you guys are looking for a great injury resource on Twitter, I cannot recommend enough at FB Injury Doc. It's Edwin Porras. He uh, has some kind of degree. Oh, it's escaping me. Sorry, Doctor of Physical Therapy in Pro Baseball. He's a medical analyst for Fantasy Points, the website. And he's just been a great asset you know, for me for a couple years now of – talking about player injuries, when they're expected to be back, how much their effectiveness might be sapped by whatever injury they've had. He's been great. He put together a sheet of, you know, players who were injured this week and when they're expected to return. His projected return date, uh, 
there are a lot of players projected to return in week 16 this upcoming week. And so those players are Tyreek Hill, Geno Smith, Brian Robinson, Isaiah Pacheco, and Zach Moss. Then there are some players who it's up in the air, could be week 16 or 17. Nico Collins, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor, Chris Olave, Ramondre Stevenson. So those guys could be back this week, could be back next week. This is just, you know, sort of a tentative return date for each of them. Obviously, Stroud and Lawrence are kind of TBD with the concussions. Uh, he has a week 17 projected return date for Alexander Madison, Christian Watson, and A.J. Dillon, meaning he expects them to be out this week. And then Kenny Pickett. Who the fuck cares? And then Kenny Pickett, Marquise Brown, and Will Levis are all projected at best week 17 returns, possibly later or not at all. Um, so yeah, again, a great resource for any injury monitoring you may have to do for fantasy at FB Injury Doc on Twitter, Edwin Porus DPT. All right. Pat, some waiver wire ads we gotta talk about. Now some of these guys are obviously on rosters already. If a I lot of them are smart- contingent on injury. Yeah, a lot of contingent on injury. Um, Ty Chandler being the one here at the top that I think uh, hopefully is already on rosters in a lot of leagues that know what they're doing because, look, we knew he was going to start this past week. We didn't know how good he would be. I don't think we expected him to be quite this productive. But if he's still on your waiver wire, go get him. Do not let him be there any longer. Yeah, run, don't walk. Uh, But these other players are you know maybe a little bit more dicey. They're not auto starts like Ty Chandler is, at least as long as Madison is out. But we do have some names on here that are relevant. At the running back position, we've got Zamir White, Chris Rodriguez, Trey Sermon, and Tyler Goodson. Uh, Zamir White put together a solid game for the Raiders. I mean, he found the end zone. That's really all you can ask for. He could have been better. I was honestly like getting a little greedy. I started Zamir White in a few leagues at the last minute. I was getting a little greedy, uh, Mm -hmm. hoping that he would get in the action instead of Brandon Bolden and whoever the (laughs) hell else. But I feel like out of this bunch... Uh, he would be the closest thing to like a must start. Mm. Um, you know, you look at Chris Rodriguez, he didn't do shit this week, but he was the lead back. He had 10 carries, I believe, to Antonio Gibson's four. But as you stated, the fantasy doctor does believe Brian Robinson will be back this week. So I probably wouldn't waste a claim on Chris Rodriguez, but just more so something to monitor uh, later in the week that he is a starting running back on a football team if someone is out. And then the Colts, yep. like. If there's no Taylor or Zach Moss, that's tough because Trey Sermon, man, good for Trey Sermon. That guy got dragged, and rightfully so, but nice game, 80, 80 yep. yards rushing. And But Tyler Goodson was getting a lot of work. It's just the thing, it's like that feels like too much of a committee to start yeah. either of those guys. Obviously, if Zach Moss is playing, you're starting Zach Moss, no question. And those two are just rendered irrelevant again. Yeah, they were both, uh, their final stat lines were both startable this past week, at least in a flex capacity, but you can't expect, you know, them to have an even workload that are both worth having in your lineup. Um, I think if if those are the two lead guys, they're probably both strictly desperation plays and pick your poison. I'm probably going Sermon just because he did have more touches than Goodson did, but those are, those are just, you know, desperation plays based on some level of opportunity that they're going to have. Then at receiver, Pat, we've got Josh Palmer and Noah Brown. Talked about Palmer. Uh, he's going to have Easton Stick as his quarterback, which is a low upside you know, situation to begin with, but still a decent volume play. He's going to be on the field the entire game. He might be the wide receiver one if Keenan Allen's out, so you could do a lot worse than Palmer. He could squeak out another one of those deep bombs like he did against the Raiders. Um, I, you know, When that play happened, I was like, man, I guess I should have started him, but still not a, not a super bankable player. Uh, that you're going to be super confident in. And then Noah Brown. Oh, I think Noah Brown is. A, you think a, like, so? More of a, much more. You know, I put a note here, and I mean, at this point in the playoffs, guys, your priority on waiver should be, are you going to start this guy? Like, do yes. you realistically see, like, you know, it's not in the year. Like, potential isn't really anything because 
it's here. Like, we're here. So, but Noah Brown's a much more bankable player, even with Case Keenum, what I believe he had eight catches, you know, a really solid, a really solid day for Noah Brown without Nico Collins. But we even saw him um, play well before with Nico Collins in, in, in the lineup there, obviously with no Tank Dell. And whether it's C.J. Stroud or Case Keenum, it's clear that Case Keenum really likes Noah Brown, probably because they hung out. Well, I don't even know where Case Keenum was. Did they pluck him like off the street or something? I, I didn't even know he was still in, no, in the league, honestly. Yeah, no, Keenum's been uh, Keenum's been on the Texans as like sort of a third-string QB mentor type of guy. Nope, didn't have a fucking clue. So yeah, that's where he that's where he's been yeah. hanging out. I think Noah Brown. If I had to rank these guys in terms of startability. I would go Chandler, Zamir White, Noah Brown, and then the rest are just more so, you know, hypotheticals. But I, I'd say those are the three. No, Noah Brown is also the thing that's keeping me hanging on by a thread in the league winner draft here is that Noah, Noah Brown looked good, and, you know, hopefully he'll he'll look good the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I would agree. Noah Brown, definitely the most startable guy. Or, or, well, of the receivers, at least. But one of the most startable guys you could pick up off waivers. All right, Pat, we will finish things up with our viewer questions. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. Wonder who it's from. This question. What, what are you looking at? What's what's that face for? This this Go ahead. Go ahead. I have thoughts. Go ahead. <laughs> This question coming from Stephen McGowan, 24. Is Patrick Mahomes the biggest bust for fantasy this year? Stephen, I I can't believe you would ask that. Like, this is a Hall of Fame career, and now it's going to be threatened because of because of this. Because uh, the of answer that is offsides call. <laughs> yeah, the answer is it's, maybe. Um, he's he's up there for sure. I just think so. Similar to Travis Kelsey, like it's not like Mahomes. Again, to Mahomes' standards, yes. Like, if you are comparing Mahomes' expectations to the bust and no one else, then yes, probably he is the bust of the year. But like Kelsey, even just by quarterback standards, he has not been good. Like, he has not been the lineup lock that you think you're getting out of Patrick Mahomes. So if you like to go QBs early and you took Patrick Mahomes in, like, the third round, you're pissed. Like, you're pissed, man. But it all depends on where you really took him but what a what a bizarre year in uh in kansas city and especially when there's like no real favorite in the afc as opposed to san francisco being the you know the the really surefire favorite in the nfc the afc is for the taking and kansas city is just not taking it and probably not going to take it yeah and who knows why i saw a great tweet that said that you know, the, the clip of Mahomes being really frustrated after a Kadarius Tony drop, by the way. The ref should have told him to catch the ball. But um <clears throat> but um he's in his Donovan McNabb era of Andy Reid, which I yeah. thought was really funny there, but just a, a bizarre like there's really no explanation for why they're for why they're just this mid, but hey, they're still in in a firm playoff position. We'll see what happens, but just just puzzling, and Mahomes is taking the biggest hit. Mahomes has proven something that we didn't necessarily know about him, which is that he is not situation-proof. Like, people were drafting Mahomes like he's going to put up these elite numbers, you know, no matter what his supporting cast is. Well, I think the Chiefs have finally flown a little too close to the sun here with, like, how much can we skimp on our skill players and still get so. good production from Mahomes and from this offense? This is This is as low as you can go. Like, you can't have literally no receivers that are above average other than maybe Rasheed Rice, who's a rookie, and expect greatness. Yeah, uh, Nate here in the chat makes a really good point, though, that if you're in a super flex and you drafted Mahomes, you're happy. 
because everybody's hurt. And that's really true. Yeah. That this guy has stayed healthy and at least been mid, I guess, like, at worst here. But, yeah, with so many injuries, that that's, that's, that's a really valid point. Yeah, Mahomes is currently uh, QB9 in terms of fantasy points per game. Sheesh. But but as you mentioned, three of the players he's behind are injured. It's Kirk Cousins, C.J. Stroud, and Anthony Richardson. Stroud, the only one with a chance of playing again this year. Uh, but yeah, that is not what you drafted if you drafted him in even where he was getting, even where his ADP was, which was like late second, early third. And in a lot of leagues, as we know, the number one quarterback, or at least... Patrick Mahomes, because of the name value, probably went in a lot of like first rounds and early second rounds. Um, and if you drafted him there, your team is struggling. So honestly, just another endorsement for uh, waiting at least a little bit on quarterback, except except for maybe Jalen Hurts if the tush push doesn't get banned. Because I mean, Jesus Christ, that's just a fucking cheat code when it comes to quarterback fantasy there. points. I lost by I lost by two, which I actually um I, that was not intentional, but it uh. It came, brings us to the next question. This is from IBKov, IBYKOV17 on uh, Instagram there. Uh, what is the best way to cope with a marginal loss? I was up one when Hertz threw a pick. Um, yeah. I'm in a similar boat there where the Hertz tush pushed, tush pushed me right out of the playoffs. And um, the way I see it is like, you kind of question everything. Like, you really nickel and dime yourself when you lose by that little of a thing like oh yeah. i should have started this guy i should have started this guy and like you know so you start thinking you basically start retconning your thinking like oh man i was thinking about starting this guy when like yeah no yeah. you weren't <clears throat> um all you can really do is take the l you know I i'm very lucky that like i haven't had any of those heartbreaking losses like in our league uh, that really, you know, just very closely knocked me out of a play. Well, actually, I did win the Justin against Tucker me. Lamar, okay. the Justin Tucker Lamar pooping game against you. Yeah. Uh, I believe in 2020. Um, yep. That was a, that was a tough one, but I mean, really, all you can do is just kind of uh, sulk and just uh, you know question your existence. And you know, if, ten years from now, I'm going to be saying like, oh, one time in 2020. I almost won in the semis, and had I won, I would have dropped 300 in the championship. Mm. So a lot of what-ifs for your uh, hypothetical grandkids. Yeah, all you can do is keep looking forward, keep moving forward. Like, it, when you lose by so little, I th you have a tendency to, you know, think it was all luck-based and, oh, I wish this happened, I wish that happened. Like, just be honest with yourself and also be kind of analytical. Like, what what could you have done better and what will you do to make sure that or what can you try to do to make sure that you have a more commanding win next season? And maybe maybe it's nothing. Maybe your team popped off and you lost 251 to 250. At that point, yeah, there's not a lot you can do. But try to pick apart any little thing you can improve on. Start thinking about next year. Like it, It's going to suck if you lose by one. It absolutely yeah. is. But that's all you can do is keep looking forward and uh, just apply the, the free time. The that you, as well. That's yeah. brutal. I've never yeah. lost a game like that. Where I, I was winning either, and then lost based on the merit of my own player rather than, you know, obviously yeah. we've had it the other way around, but I, that has never happened to me before. And I, I hope it doesn't because I don't know if I can take that. Yeah, I, I agree. That would not be good for the old mental health. But yeah, just keep, you know, keep applying, apply the time that you now have, the free time that you have for not being in your fantasy leagues playoffs anymore. And just, you know, start thinking about next year. What could you have done to have maybe 
slightly deeper roster or be more prepared for the injuries that you suffered that made you lose that game, even though it was by one point, just little things, even if they're not super logical and they wouldn't have helped you like buy up by a ton this year, just a way to kind of occupy your mind and make you feel like you're doing something to, uh, you know, not let something like that happen next year as much as it sucks because it is a one point loss. There's just there's just not a lot you could do about it. But look for the things that maybe you can. Then this question pack kind of goes along with that. It's the opposite end of the spectrum. I lost in the first round 120 to 200, which is worse, a close or not close loss. I think tough. I, it depends on the context for me, Pat, because I. I sit here, right? I I got blown out by a similar score in our first round of our playoffs, and I find it a lot easier to move on. But again, I lost in that way because largely largely due to injuries. Like, mm. I think if I put out the best team I possibly could and they just all decided to bust on the same week, it might be more difficult to accept. But I think not being so close to that glory of making the championship kind of makes it a little bit easier to let go. I personally feel like getting blown out is a little bit easier on the mental than than losing I, by such a small margin. I, I think so too, because like on the other hand, losing by such a small margin, like you're in it, you are invested yeah. all the way. Like that's what fantasy football is all about is be, you know, building a competitive team. But the heartbreak is just so much worse. Like, because yeah. like we talked about the woulda, coulda, shoulda's, but when you lose by that much, you really can't woulda, coulda, shoulda yourself. Yeah. Like there's no way that you could have made made up 80 points with different lineup decisions. There's no. just no way. So it, it, it will be a little easier on you for sure to, um, to, to cope with that rather than when you're saying like all these, what ifs like, Oh, what if this guy didn't get tackled at the one or there, this yeah. guy had a 10 yard catch and it got called back for holding like so, so many things that you can just drive yourself crazy over. Um, Rather than like, I'll watch that Justin Tucker field goal in my nightmares for the rest of my life against the Browns <laughs> that game, because I'm a fantasy football champion if that uh, if that happens in our league, right. and I'm not, I'm not. But I've had four straight winning seasons, so we're uh, hey, we're, there you go, we're climbing up. There you go, all moving on up. Yeah, I think it's just a little easier if you get blown out. Like at the same time, it sucks because that means. Look, again, it depends. Like, if your team got nuked by injuries, like mine did, not to make excuses, but, like, you understand why you got smacked. If your team didn't get nuked by injuries, then you just start to question, okay, why did the team I put together get fucking smoked in the playoffs? Like, that probably means you didn't look close enough at the matchups your players had or stuff like that, and then there's things to improve on. Um, you lose by a little, it just it feels like there's just not much you can do, and you feel kind of helpless. So that's where I'm at with that one. And then finally, Pat, this question could be for both of us now that we're both out of fantasy this year. Well, I guess you're not again in other leagues but in a couple of weeks we'll all be done what are you going to do with all your free time pat what are you going to do with all your free time once fantasy football is fully over well it, it, admittedly enough i have had an abhorrent amount of free time the last three months um i think i'm gonna go to work uh i'm gonna be going back to work soon uh after i um uh, dealt with uh dealt with a pretty nasty back problem for about three months at our draft on Labor Day was right when it uh like right when it happened. I remember I'm like, yep. yeah, shit, like that was so long ago. Um, I'm gonna go back to work uh, in my free time now. I've just been uh, I think I've watched every YouTube video ever. Um, <laughs> have you have you checked out I'm, the I'm esteemed channel a, um, Benchwarmer Brand? Well, of course, yeah. I, of course, I like our own, sure. I like all of our podcast streams too. Just uh, inflate the uh, inflate the Smart. likes as any as anyone should. Um, and I've been creating an uh, immaculate grid database for baseball. It's psychotic. Oh I, I have a, I have a running amazing. list. 
I have a running list of every player I've ever used in Immaculate Grid, and you know how many. Have times you used I've, Vidal Nuno yet? I have not used Vidal Nuno yet, but I have used eight hundred ninety different players. I couldn't name eight hundred ninety players if you put a gun to my head. And there's a lot of guys curious, that I haven't though. used yet. I was looking through it. I'm like, man, I haven't used this guy yet. But that's what I've. So I guess my oh question is the other way around. It's like, what have I been doing with my free time? Yeah. Versus now, it's Brandon and I are going to be completely flipped. Yeah, God, what am I going to do with my free time? Uh, well, I mean, I do play fantasy basketball, so I do. I, I always have a Gross. fantasy sport to like monitor and check over. I, I like fantasy basketball. It's just a lot different and less. Yeah. You're definitely less invested in it than you are for football. Like, it's, it's just so something to do with guys sitting in these injury in injuries. Like, I, yeah, I haven't played fantasy basketball in a few years, more than a few years, and like, I have no interest. Like, it just seems like it could be a real drag. I like having it as something to just occupy my my fantasy craving because I am a goddamn addict. Uh, but what am I going to do with my free time? God, it's more about what am I going to do with the free time once the full NFL season ends? Because for now, it's just going to be dedicating more time to you know making content and all that, which I'll never stop doing. Obviously, it's my job. But for now, it's so ramped up. Once the NFL season ends and I'm out from underneath some of these some of these brand deals and some of the just nonsense of the season. I oh, nothing. I just I'm going I'm going off the grid for like a week. What? I just got What are we going to do on this podcast? <laughs> Cuz like we kind of started right before the draft. The the draft last year. It, it when yeah. I joined it was perfect because we just kind of j- jumped right in and had something to talk about right away. We've well, got a few we months until obviously we'll be talking about the draft and certain things like that, but like Yeah. It's really we had not the pod go during like till like March. We, we had the pod, though, during, like, March Madness and stuff like that. But you're right. We, we've never had the pod during the, like, initial after – you and I, at least – during the initial aftermath of the football season. So, I mean, we'll obviously talk about the playoffs, and it, it'll be probably less fantasy-focused. Um, and we'll, we'll mix in maybe some, some other sports again. But, look, guys, feel free to send us suggestions. Again, I think, I Pat, the, I th- I think Pat, the divisional sort of um, – what's the word like breakdown of just how the season transpired. It'll be nice. It'll be a nice way to fill some time and be similar to the previews. It'll be like, okay, why did things play out this way that we either did see coming or didn't see coming? And how do we, how do we evaluate these players as of right now, heading into next year? Obviously there'll be draft conjecture. I think we'll fill the time, but yeah, there'll definitely be more than just fantasy football being talked about on this pod as the season uh, comes to a close and we, we enter the off season. It'll be, it'll be drafts are back, baby. (laughs) The drafts will be back for sure. Stuff like the sports movies, draft and we will get chaotic with it so yeah definitely send us your suggestions gonna, for drafts gonna, and for draft, segments you want to uh, see best athletes in the high school musical uh sports movie draft yep yep i i don't know first overall the best pick athlete. is the uh the kid that was playing the cello in the cafeteria <laughs> uh, he's one he's 101 i'm picking corbin blue all right Shit. <laughs> but yeah definitely send us your suggestions for uh, what you want to see once the fantasy season ends but pat we got a couple more weeks with the fantasy season being alive, hey, maybe we'll dip into some DFS stuff once the playoffs get in. Sure. Use, there's still some fantasy to be had as long as there is football. But yeah, we are we are getting closer here to the end, Pat. What a mm. what a ride it's been for the fantasy God, football it flew, season, man. Huh? It's flowing. Well, it, it's not it's not over, but it, it it's not it over yet. It's not by. over yet. But we are getting there. It's over. It's over for us in our main league, though. So that's what kind of starts to make it feel feel a little bit real. But yeah, that'll do it, Pat. You got anything to tell the people before we go off? No, just good luck for those of you, those of yeah. you still playing. Good luck. Hopefully next week we're talking to a lot of you that are uh, getting ready for your championship games. 
Absolutely. And we will have plenty more advice for you to hopefully finish off those championship games. But for now, guys, that'll do it for this episode. For Pat Gustafson, I am Brandon Carney, and we will see you guys next week. Bye-bye.